Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. first reading of Scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus. It speaks of God's uh, revelation to Moses uh, from a very unlikely place. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He held his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame a fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was ablazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses turned to see that the bush was not burned up, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the country of the Canaanite, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you that I will have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, I have come to the Israel, I, if I come to the Israelites, and I say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. The word of the Lord. The second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. 
in the 16th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear what God will say to us. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned to and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to follow become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who will lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life, or what will it they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The word of the Lord. What are the places that God shows up? Where are they? How do we know? when we are in that place. As I thought about and prepared for the service today, the scriptures of Moses in the wilderness as he stood before a bush that was burning but did not burn up, and the place of seeing Jesus teaching his disciples about the power of life, even as it confronts death, those places spoke to me as places where God shows up. God shows up in the wilderness, at the burning bush. God shows up on the cross. And then I turned on the TV and watched the news on the internet, and you know what I saw. Harvey. All the things about the devastation of the flooding and the hurricane and the storms that were battering so much of our nation, Texas, Louisiana, and up into the middle part of the nation with torrential rains. I know that there are some of you who have family and friends, work colleagues that have been touched by the storm. And I know there are, we all don't know how we are all touched in so many other ways by people who are here. And we are rightly concerned with what is happening as an immediate response to save people from those times and places. Those times are critical. And at the same time, we also know that what has been done so far in terms of an emergency response is but a small down payment on what will need to be done for years to come. Moses encountered God in a way that is a reminder that even in places where we seek not only to mind our own business, 
we are touched by God's presence. We find ourselves confronted with the reality of, of the Lord's rea- uh, presence with us when we don't even think about it or don't expect it. Moses had fled from Egypt because he had killed an Egyptian. He had wandered into the land of Midian, and there he married a local girl, Zipporah, whose father, Jethro, gave him a job as a sheep herder. And that's what he was doing. He was tending the flock out in the middle of nowhere, minding his own business. And as he was out there minding his own business, doing nothing else, he had an encounter with God. It was profound, this encounter. And from it, Moses learned that he was to become a leader. He was to raise up the children of Israel and to deliver them from their bondage and their captivity in Egypt and lead them to a new place, a different place in the world. It sure sounds like Moses wasn't too sure about this calling that he had received. He asked, how are people going to know that I am the one that you claim I am? How, how do I say who sent me? What, what, what do I, what, what's your name even? And what if the Egyptians don't believe me, but certainly what about the Israelites? It's been a long time since I've been home. Will they know me? And the Lord gave Moses this assurance. He gave him a plan and he gave him a destination. Come out of Egypt And when you do that, you come back to this place. But Moses presses on. Who is it that is sending me? What do I say when people ask me, who sent you? And the Lord replied, the one who is with your ancestors is the one who sends you into the future. And so he went back. From the boondocks, the Lord appeared and gave Moses a charge and a commission. In the middle of nowhere, that's where God showed up for Moses. In the gospel reading today, there's also a story about God showing up in an unlikely place. Jesus had been traveling outside of the territory of his Jewish homeland. He had wandered over to Tyre and Sidon. He had come back to the land around Galilee. He had asked his disciples, he said, who is it that people say I am? And some said John the Baptist, some said a prophet, this prophet or that prophet, but no, then Jesus drilled down, who do you say I am? You disciples, you guys are following me. Who do you say I am? And Peter piped up and said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the Savior, you're the one that was proclaimed about. And Jesus said, yeah, that's right, but don't tell anybody just yet. Hold that really special piece of information. And then Jesus goes into this teaching that I read, and he said, there's going to be difficulty here. There's going to be a cross. There's going to be death even. And Peter went, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute. That's not part of the deal. Jesus rebukes Peter in very strong terms. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of my way. You're a stumbling block here. You have no idea how God works. That's what Jesus says. You're not really 
You think you know, but there's more for you to learn. The way to God is through the cross. To find our life, we must lose it. That is the place that God shows up. Often it is when we lose something that we find out how precious it really is. Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk in the 20th century here in the United States. You may have heard of Trappist monasteries before. They, they are known for producing good products. They, they produce cheese, they produce bread, and they produce beer. Not all of them, but some of them do, and it's quite, quite remarkable. And um, there's even a Trappist monastery here in Georgia, um, up near Conyers, called the Monastery of the Holy Spirit. They do not produce beer, oh, by the way, but um, they do have bonsai trees, and it's a wonderful place to go and um, meditate or to pray, to, to share your life. It's, it's a remarkably peaceful place. Merton um, had grown up on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, his, his growing up and, and coming of age time was somewhat tumultuous. He had a very dramatic and, and uh, significant uh, conversion as he decided to leave his life, his very enjoyable, what, what many people would call enjoyable life, and enter into uh, the monastery. And to do that requires a, a, a long series of preparations. And as he did that, he thought about it and he prayed about it and he wrote about it. He actually wrote a uh, memoir called The Seven-Story Mountain, and it, it is a classic of 20th century devotion literature and would, something to be, to be thought of and, and uh, checked in on. I would, I would recommend it. In his um, later writings, he, he talked about the time that he gave up that life, that gave, that gave up his life before the monastery, but also in a way, had to give over his writing life. It happened in February of 1957, and in one of his later writings, he wrote this, Yesterday morning, I made my will. You always make a will before solemn vows, getting rid of everything as if you were about to die. It sounds more dramatic than it really is, as a matter of fact, as soon as I renounced all earthly things, I was called into the Father Abbot's room. The Father Abbot was the one who was the head of the monastery. I was called into his room, and he presented me with a contract from Harcourt and Brace for the publication of the Seven Story Mountain. So after making my will, I put my living signature on this contract. Merton gave over his life his income, his, his resources to God in one form or another. He gave over his writing life so that all that was done would be provided and shared um, by the Lord. He lost that ability to walk around the world as he wished to be 
part of that community, and he spent the rest of his life serving in that way, in that place, and traveling on their behalf around the world. We give up something at about the time we want to enter into something else. God shows up in moments in the wilderness. God shows up when we are asked to think about what God's purposes may be for us. God shows up in times of challenge and difficulty. After natural disasters, there are often questions that are raised about why God would allow such things to happen. Some people find in these circumstances reasons to not believe in God, in any God, much less the God that we know through Jesus Christ. But Scripture offers us these two directions. When things may seem to be going well, when we are minding our own business, doing our own things, when we are out there attending to the sheep of our flock, God shows up, and God has a challenge. Just ask Moses. When we have the right answers for the really tough questions in life, then we begin to listen more intently, and we discover that maybe the right answers are going to take us to places that we really didn't want to go. And if we say that we don't want to go there, then we may get called out. Just ask Peter. No doubt there are destructive powers in the world. Nature is extremely, uh, has all sorts of moving parts, and the, the fury of nature has been seen in many ways. The life of faith is to find our way through all of these circumstances and challenges and to find ways and to express ways of sharing faith, hope, and love. We do that in the norm, normal, ordinary course of events, and we also do that even when we are engulfed with disaster. Twenty years or so ago, um, my family moved to Atlanta, and about three months after we moved to Atlanta, a tornado came down our street, literally. Not just our street, but it, it, it cut a wide swath from Cobb County all the way over into, into Gwinnett County. Some of you in, in this room know what a tornado does because you experienced those, th those things here in Columbus, or you may have experienced other such storms in other places. Any number of you may have lived through hurricanes or other forms of natural disasters. They are not pleasant things, and they are each in their own way, their own um, crisis. As a result of that tornado, the church where um, I was serving at the time worked with other churches and local synagogues to f provide some interfaith disaster response. And one of the things we did was we collected prayers and um, writings to offer to families, to offer some 
support and encouragement. For that purpose, I wrote down some of my own thoughts, which is, it's sort of like a prayer, it's sort of like a poem, but I offer it today for you. The insurance company called it an act of God. The weather report said it was the finger of God. Oh Lord, I know that it was not your hand that brushed this place. It was not your foot that stomped on houses like a merciless giant. Two days later, I saw your desire for human life, cresting a hill where before 50,000 trees had stood, there was a vista of destruction. Amidst the destruction were hundreds, even thousands of angels, working, sweating, pulling out debris, salvaging what could be saved, throwing away what couldn't. How did I know that they were angels? I heard the flutter of their wings and the whine of the chainsaws. This week as I've watched the news from Texas and Louisiana, I've heard a lot of other whines. I've heard of a lot of other angel wing flutters. Some of them have been the sound of monster trucks. Some of them have been the sound of airboats. Some of them have been just a good old bass boat that has gone in and relieved and lifted up. But even as the helicopters and the boats and all the flotation devices have brought people out, there will be times for people to go back. God shows up in moments like that, and God shows up on the ongoing, continuing basis of life. God showed up for Moses in the wilderness. God showed up for Peter as Jesus talked about the cross. God shows up for you and me in any other number of times and places in life. The hymn we sang for the verse for Uh, for the hymn for illumination was open my eyes that I may see. The other verses go, open my ears that I may hear. Open my mouth that I may tell. Let us be aware of where God is by opening our eyes to see what is around us, opening our ears to hear what we can know and opening our mouth to share that in this place and wherever we can. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.